Welcome to Sharing Real Hope. My name is Mike Hall. What is really important, non-negotiable, mandatory in corporate church life? And that question would include corporate services, worship services. What's important? What's, what's really got to be there as we get together with the church and as the church? I would contend that much of what we look for in a church is actually not mandatory. I'm talking about things like, you know, real cool technology, uh, the right kind of programs, beautiful facilities, even the style of worship. Now, I'm not uh, against any of those things. Those things are good in their place. Uh, we these days need technology and programs and facilities, and we want them to be nice. And the style of worship, uh, we God is a God of variety, and there are all kinds of styles, and we're free to choose the style that we enjoy most. But uh, those things are not the mandatory things. I- I'm not speaking against progress. Look, I uh, when I was four years old, my mom and dad were saved, and uh, they started in a little country church just north of Bel Air, Maryland. And and in that t- church at that time, there were no indoor facilities. If we had to go, we had to go to the outhouse out back, and that is the honest truth. Uh, and so I am really glad that over the years progress was made and there's indoor plumbing there now. When I go back to visit, uh, I don't have to go back out to the outhouse. I'm not against progress. I'm glad that that place is now air conditioned in the, in the summer so that uh, we're not uh, uh, sweating and, and uh, in the service. And I, I'm glad that uh, there are padded pews in that little country church. Whereas before they they weren't there, there was hard wooden pews, and so you get the point. Uh, there is nothing wrong with progress in its place, but when everything is stripped away, what remains? When you when you take it down to the bare essentials, what remains? You know, I get a glimpse of that when I look at uh, church life in uh, in other countries, in uh, third world, in developing countries. You see, they don't have all the fancy things that we have, and you ask yourself, if if it, it was all taken away, what would we have to have to have uh, biblical, godly church life? Well, we did uh, the last podcast, and we looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and there we get a glimpse of some of the non-negotiables of the early church. Acts 2, 42 says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. There were four things that they were uh, continually devoting themselves to. And as I said in that last podcast, that uh, phrase continually devoting is one word in the original language that this was written. And it is a very intensive word. It is a word that uh, indicates ongoing action, ongoing intense commitment to these four things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Those are definitely non-negotiables, not only were they in the early church, but they are for us 
now. Um, when, when I look at um, the uh, pastoral epistles that Paul wrote, and those are 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, Paul was writing to young pastors, telling them uh, how to get along in the church. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, Paul told Timothy this, uh, I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So that's pretty clear. Paul says, young Timothy, young Pastor Timothy, uh, I may not be there in person for a while, so I want to tell you how you need to, as a young pastor, conduct yourself in the household of God, the church of the living God. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you how it needs to happen. And so in First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus, Paul lays out to pastors how the uh, church needs to, to uh, conduct itself and, and what needs to be in church life. Now, let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 3 through 7. Let's see what it says here. Verse 3 says, As I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus, so that... And now, by the way, Timothy was pastoring the church at Ephesus. And so Paul said, stay there at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men, straying from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. So there it is. Non-negotiable number one, as found in Acts 2.42, is this, the Word of God. They continued steadfastly in the Apostles' teaching. The Apostles' teaching there is just not some trite phrase. What it's referring to is the divinely inspired revelation of God, which became the written Word of God. And, and they were not just speaking on their own. They were speaking the words that God had given them, the revelation that God gave them. And the early church continued uh, steadfastly. They devoted themselves continually to the apostles' teaching to the Word of God. That is a non-negotiable. When you are looking for a church to plant yourself in, you need first and foremost to know that it is a church that is that is committed to the Word of God. And here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 to 7 that we just read, Paul said, young Timothy, there are people there that are teaching strange doctrines. And he, he says, you need to go and refute that by teaching the correct truth of the Word of God. You need to debunk wrong doctrine. You need to, to make sure that you teach the right doctrine so that love is the goal. Love, 
He said, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Uh, do it right. Uh, have a clear conscience in what you teach. And, and that love is, a, is a, an agape love, a love for God and a love for your neighbor. You, you remember the great commandment, love God first and love your neighbor second. And so he said the goal here in, in the teaching of the right doctrine is a love for Almighty God, which will result in a love for, for your neighbor, for others as well. Uh, so then in 1 Timothy chapter 4, as we continue this theme of the Word of God in the church, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 and 13, Paul said, prescribe and teach these things. Now he's referring back to some of the instructions that he gave in, in the earlier part of this letter, and I won't go into that because I don't have time to, but he, basically what I want you to understand is he's saying, here's some things that you need to, uh, to uh, order, command, and teach. Uh, and that word there, uh, prescribe, is keep on commanding. Keep on commanding and teaching these things. Verse 13 says, until I come. Now this is a key one. This verse here, hear it. If you've not, not heard anything else I said, here it is. Until I come, Paul said, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Paul says, when you gather them together, you read the scriptures there publicly in the midst of the services. Give attention to the reading of scripture. Give attention to exhortation. Uh, in other words, um, it, it, when you exhort someone, you're taking the truth and you're encouraging them to uh, put the truth of the Word of God in their life. And teaching is helping them to understand what the truth of the Word of God is. Every church that meets that wants to honor God has to have the Word of God there. And the public reading of the Word of God, the teaching of the Word of God, it's so very important. Here in the next chapter, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says, The elders or the pastors, those who lead, who rule well, are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those that work hard at preaching and teaching. You can see that it was a high value in the early church, and we need to understand that. If we go over into 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, uh, the Word of God says this, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Listen, accurately handling the word of truth. One version says, rightly dividing the word of truth. Accurately handing, handling the word of truth. It is important that God's word is, is handled and handled correctly in church life. Everything goes back to the word of God. For 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul said to, to um, young Titus, he says, I charge you, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Boy, that's tough. That's a straight-on charge. Who is to judge the living and the dead and by His appearing in His kingdom? Here is the charge. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And isn't that happening today? Uh, I, I'm seeing it all around, uh, I, I, anywhere and everywhere. I'm seeing this happen uh, in the church where there are uh, so-called preachers, pastors, 
pastors, teachers that are teaching something other than the Word of God. They're tickling the ears of people. They're telling them uh, all this happy-go-lucky stuff that's not a part of the Word of God. And, and, and then they're going to be held accountable for that. And Paul charged Timothy in the presence of God and Jesus Christ to preach the Word of God and not to be afraid to reprove and rebuke and exhort with great patience and with instruction. It's not just getting up there and beating people over the head with the Word of God, but rather explaining it and saying, this is how we're to walk. Walk in it. We need to do that. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. Oh, hear this one, because this one really wraps it all up. All Scripture uh, is given by, is inspired by God. But let me back up to verse 14. Paul said, Timothy, you, however, continue in the things that you've learned and become convinced of and knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, in, which is in Jesus. Jesus Christ. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God will be adequate and equipped for every good work. God's Word is definitely sufficient. It is the all-authoritative, sufficient uh, guide for us, and it needs to be the heart and soul of the church and church life. It is a non-negotiable. Sadly, wrong doctrine is out there today. The prosperity gospel is saturating the airwaves, and it is absolute heresy. We see in churches sermons light, pastors not taking uh, seriously their responsibility to be theologians and teachers and to get the Word of God out on a, on a verse-by-verse basis. It's so important, and I know I'm being strong here, but I want to encourage you, find a local church where the pastors preach and teach the Word of God faithfully. Everything else flows out of that because the Word of God is God's revelation to us, His only revelation to us. Uh, now, other than nature, His only specific revelation to us. And so, we need the Word of God, and I cannot emphasize this enough. God help us as a church to make sure that the non-negotiable, the number one non-negotiable, is that the Word of God is in there and is preached and taught and lived uh, by the grace of God. Well, until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to this edition of Sharing Real Hope. We hope that you were encouraged in your walk with Christ by what you heard. Please take a moment to email us with your questions, prayer requests, and comments. Our email address is sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Again, that's sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website at sharingrealhope.org. Until next time, keep living in and sharing real hope.